This is Conventional Wisdom, a podcast about the polity, procedure, and people of the Southern Baptist Convention. I am Luke Holmes. And I'm Keith Meyer, and we love the SBC and all of the people and personality and processes and history. And so we are embarking on this endeavor to make sure that uh, that we give certain things the attention that it deserves instead of just talking about hot button issues or the latest Twitter drama. We want to talk about the important things that, uh, that, that often go overlooked. So Luke, today we're talking about resolution one from the annual meeting of 2023. And on page 11 of the Tuesday bulletin, line 13 says that the resolution on the importance of revitalization and replanting was submitted by Luke Holmes. That's you. Um, It says see resolution one. And this is the second year in a row that you're the author or submitter of resolution one. How's that feel? A little bit strange, honestly. I just, uh, these are things that were important to me. And so I wrote about them, you know, I'm a writer in general. I don't really know what I think about something until I write about it. I write everything. I manuscript all my sermons and, and I've submitted resolutions before that were not taken in. And so, uh, I just thought over the past few years to have these together, I had somebody else approach me about a topic for a resolution. And uh, I thought about it and I was like, you know what? That's just not my thing. I don't, I'm not that interested in that. I think it's important and whatever, but it's not my thing. So uh, I think I think people should write about what's important to them. You know, there's probably lots of people listening who have never submitted a resolution or any of those things. Uh, it's really easy. Any idiot can do it. I mean, I'm proof of that. So uh, don't be scared of doing it. If you want help, you can ask me or Keith or any number of people. I'd I'd be happy to help you. Yeah. What, um, what have you written that they haven't brought out? Uh, I wrote one about um, the gospel over political allegiance. This was after 2016 and I submitted that one year and then I changed it, submitted it the next year. It wasn't brought out either year, but it was basically about uh, we're not, we're not just shilling for the Republican party. I said it nicer than that. Right. But, but, too divisive, uh, you, know, you think, at the time to bring out or other things? I guess, or? you know, one year they said, you know, we've, we've already spoke to this some, or or while we don't dis- disagree with you, you know, we got other stuff to talk about, which is fine. Yeah. So yeah. that happens. Interesting. So I, and that's one reason I, uh, when I thought about rural churches last year, actually two years ago, I brought that up. And uh, I kind of wrote it and asked some people to help and it didn't get put through. And then I put it through again. I think that's something you can tell people just because one year isn't the year for it. It might be the next year. But uh, I put that forward because I thought it was important and because I think it's, it's something that we need to hear. And man, the rural churches won last year. I had all sorts of guys come up to me later and say, thank you. That means a lot. And I'm from a rural church and, you know, I'm going to go back and tell my church that, that the convention acknowledges what a big mission field we have and all that. 
So I'm I'm on the eastern shore of Maryland. A lot of people think that the East Coast is like urban, suburban, highly developed, and that there are no rural areas. And so when uh, when your pot when your um, when your resolution passed, and um, I was I was talking about it with some folks. Um, somebody from Southeastern said, "Hey, we do this um, we do this event for associational missionaries for directors of mission. We'd love for you to be on a panel." And I was like, okay, that's weird. Why me? And they're like, well, you, you're the DOM of a rural association. And I said, we're not a rural association. And then I was like, wait a minute, we are a rural. Like it had <laughs> never occurred to me that, cause I live in what feels like a city. And I always say it's like a, a fake city compared to, I grew up close to New York. And, um, and so, you know, I'm like, you know, no, this isn't rural, but it really has challenged my thinking about how how ministry is different here, and uh, and so I I personally really appreciated that resolution. It's a, it's a strange thing. There's not even really a good definition of the word rural. Uh, I said on another podcast, not that I'm cheating on you, but I was on another <laughs> podcast, and uh, I met a guy at a conference, and he said he was from a small town. I said, how small? Oh, real small. Just 30,000, he said. It's like, oh, man, come with me. I've got some places right. to show you. I'll right. show you a small town. And my town is 3,000, but it feels like the big city in our county. It is the biggest city. Wow. You know, only 10,000 in a whole county. And so it's how a do you, relative thing. How do you rank on uh, John Mark Clifton's dollar general scale? Do you uh, have more than have, one? We're, we have a dollar general. Of, actually, we have a dollar general market. It's kind of a bougie dollar general. Wow. Makes sense. Yeah. And so it was one of the first they've tried. There's more of them around, but it's kind of got a grocery store in it and stuff. But it's not bad. The nearest Walmart is 20 minutes away. So, you know. Yeah, not terrible. My, my, I must have told my wife the the thing about dollar general about 10 or 15 times that john mark clifton says and so she'll say oh they're you know they're putting in a dollar general and i'm like you know and she's like i do know i know already um so hey um so why this topic for this resolution why revitalization and replanting um well why do you i'm getting a i'm getting a doctorate in revitalization from southwestern Okay. And uh, so it's kind of the world I'm immersed in right now. You know, it's all I'm reading and thinking about. And when I sat down to think about something I could submit, it came to mind. I think, um, and I think because so many of our churches are in need of revitalization, they just really need help. Um, you know, even a church that is, my church is small, but even a church that is two, three, four, five hundred they could still be very much in need of revitalization. And so, and also because I had some, uh, one of my classes, Southwestern, I, my, two of my professors were from the North American Mission Board, and I saw the work that they were doing and replanting, especially, that's kind of their main focus. And I just thought, this is really, really good stuff. It is really focused. It's very thoughtful, intentional. They're not just throwing money around, seeing if it sticks. They're going and doing hard work with churches and, and trying to find the best way. They put a lot of time into the practice, into the thought, to leadership, into models, 
they've got a lot of really good stuff together. And uh, I wanted to highlight that and to encourage people to do church revitalization. You know, everybody, you know, when guys come out of seminary now, they want to go plant a church. Right. You know, every, every, everybody feels called to Chicago. Nobody feels called to Tishomingo, you know. And uh, but these churches need pastors and they need guys who will work at it. And it's hard and difficult. And and uh, in some ways, it's almost impossible. But they need people here to do it. So I hope it encourages people to do that. You know, I think about um, I think about church planting from a um, if, if we if we think about the business of the convention. Right. Church planting is um, it's the job of our mission board. Right, the International Mission Board. If you if you uh, read any of their like foundations of mission stuff, they're not just talking about um, reaching people for Christ. They're talking about planting new churches, you know. And so that's that's the end goal. And and new churches in church planting internationally and nationally is kind of the creation of new customers, you know, new new entities that the new autonomous churches that the mission board that the convention interacts with and, and, and claims but you've got you've got the old customer you know you have the old established um church of yesterday that that it still exists that still funds that still participates it's part of the tradition and what do you what do we do do we just let that erode because it's not it's not up to right. speed because the, they they don't have the the latest programs, the latest technology. They're not in the in the most unreached place. Um, there's there's something about honoring um, the there's something about honoring the church that uh, that that used to exist and can exist again that I think is is central to revitalization. So there's something there's something noble to that about not letting it fall apart. Um, and, and yeah, no, I, I think you're right about doing the work of it. Uh, so I had it explained to me that, you know, the North American Mission Board focuses mainly on replanting because their mission statement or whatever that's given by the SBC is about planting churches and replanting lines up most closely with that. So revitalization is kind of while they do do that. That's not their main focus, but that's kind of uh, given to associations and state conventions. And I think that's good because revitalization is so contextual. You know, um, I know what churches in my area are like, but I have no idea what the culture and things are like on the East Coast. And it's hard for the mission board to drop in, parachute in and give out all these ideas and things. And so the DOMs and others are better suited for that type of work. And so... I think that dichotomy there is helpful, revitalization and replanting, I think is very important. And both have their plus and minuses, you know, both are very hard, but they're both needed too. When you, when you, in your second, whereas it says uh, many local Southern Baptist churches face significant challenges. And then you've got four items there, declining attendance, conflict, lack of discipleship and lack of community impact are those are those four um are they the main challenges are they just some um what why those four uh, well they're just they're four prominent ones i think every church 
would feel that uh, declining attendance in that not just that less people are coming to church that but that people are coming to church less you know? yeah even even those who do come are coming less many churches in, in the need of revitalization are marked by conflict and many of it is a lack of discipleship i think i've always thought to revitalize a church is to revitalize a people and that's a lot harder than changing the curtains and you know how hard it is to change the curtains that's right and so uh you know if it if it was just about changing polity and structure well that's easy you just have the authority to come in and do that but when you're trying to disciple people many of whom have not been discipled and don't know or they've only been discipled in the ways of conflict and other stuff and then as these churches fall they are losing their community impact too so those are just i mean you you could have named 10 things probably probably yeah but those are four that every church deals with I think that um, in in some ways, um, revitalization is. I don't want to say it's more difficult than church planting, but it's it's it has a also, unique set of difficulties. Is it more difficult also, than church planting? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think, and I've never planted a church, so of course I would think that. But uh, you know, it's hard because, like you said, you don't get to start from scratch. You don't get to design it the way you want to. You got to deal with what you got, and that's hard. Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that a lot of church planters are are running into is if it, unless unless they absolutely launch huge and and have a congregation that is incredibly generous or incredibly um, well financed, you know, they have to move from rented facility to rented facility and, yeah. and the established church doesn't have that. And so revitalization in a sense, like you have a church with an enormous amount of benefits, um, all of which can be lost. If that church collapses, um, yeah. you lose the facility, you lose the, the, the place, you lose the culture, you lose, um, the, the old folks or even the young folks, you lose all the introverts who aren't going to, try to start over again, you know, you, you, um, you, you lose a lot when a church collapses. And so there's something unique about the work of revitalization. I think that preserves something that already existed. Um, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I love church history and, and maybe that's why I'm drawn to it too. I'm old enough to remember in ministry when, when postmodernism was the rage, <clears throat> And everybody was talking about, uh, you know, who's going to, how are we going to pastor these postmodern people who are coming up and, and all of these things. And I remember thinking, well, what about the, the moderns? What about the old people in these churches? They need someone to pastor them. They need someone to love them and care for them and guide them and visit them in the hospital. And that doesn't mean you have to be a chaplain and just give them what they want. But it's it's hard work, but it's necessary. These are it, it's easy to look at an old dying church and think, well, good riddance. We can start something better. But I want people to think with a lot of hard work and God's help, we can make this a place that that brings God glory again. You know, that's John right. Mark Clifton, there's nothing about a dying church that brings God glory, he says. And uh and we can do that if we'll put the time into to it. It's it's interesting. Years ago, when I when I 
started at Harvest. Harvest was a, a church plant that split mm-hmm. and which when I walked in, no one was really talking about church revitalization. It just was not a thing. You know, it was either new churches or established churches. And, um, and I can remember talking to one of the guys who had stayed when the church split and somebody was like, gosh, why are you, why are you there? What are you doing? And his only rationale for staying and fighting for the church was he said, it's a church. Like of all the things in the world that you could fight for, why wouldn't you fight for um, the, the family of God? Why wouldn't you fight for the body of Christ? Um, it, that there's something, there's something noble in, in preserving it. Um, I, uh, I appreciate that you've got here in, in your third, whereas uh, it says church revitalization and replanting are biblical and strategic approaches to address the decline and restore the spiritual health, vibrancy and mission effectiveness of local congregations. Um, do you see revitalization as a, as something that shows up in the scriptures? Well, let me come at this another way. There are some people who would say, well, the way you revitalize a church is strategically. You know, you reach out to the community, you view it the way a missionary would. Or there are some books who are basically like, well, you pray a lot and then God does it. Like, okay, that's true. But also like you need to think strategically. Some people are all strategic strategy, strategery. Yeah. Some people are all are all biblical. Right. You know, and I'm saying those like they're bad things. They're not. We're we're just every, everyone's wired a different way. I'm more wired the the biblical way. <laughs> that sounds terribly prideful. But you know, I came of age in ministry uh, through guys like Lynn or Ravenhill and revivalism and Martin Lloyd Jones and these things that really impacted me a lot. And you would never hear them think about a strategy meeting for reaching the community. They just go out and preach and God does all the work. Right. Like, okay. God does do that. God does do the work, but there's also, we need to think biblically about it. That's part of what I'm writing my doctorate about, about teaching ministry leaders to set goals. I think uh, for, for their ministries, because I think every revitalization leader, especially has to walk this balance beam. On one side is hyper-pragmatism, on the other side is hyper-spiritualism. And they will say, well, we're just going to pray and preach and God will take care of the rest. And the others would say, we're going to plan and strategize and do everything. But I think the Bible shows both. You know, uh, in Revelation, Jesus tells them, remember, return and repent. Go back to the ways from which which you came. The letters to the seven churches. I think the Bible doesn't doesn't have anything against planning. You know, um, you would say, uh, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That doesn't mean just go about it blindly. Uh, when Jesus sends out the 70 disciples, he sends them in pairs. He's, he's got a plan to do it. That's right. Do it. That's uh, right. When, uh, you know, and even in church history reveals this too. The the foreign mission board has had bold mission thrust. And before that, uh, uh, there were these big efforts to quadruple the mission goal or the 
a budget and is that a bad thing to set a goal for the budget like is that unspiritual i don't think so i think it's it's figuring out what's needed and so to say to bring it to finally answer your question is revitalization biblical i think it is because god is constantly making things new that's what he does he doesn't just wait till it gets old and is done with it and churches die for all types of reasons yeah because the community dies up that's fine we had a town a church near us russet and there used to be a community and a school and a post office and all that went away and now it's just pastures Hmm. and so that's fine a church dies that's fine but um you know there's life cycles and all those things but in so much as we're as able we need to work to continue to make church churches healthy and i think the bible supports that yeah i agree with you you hit on um it's you interesting that you hit on, um, I'm preaching through Luke. And so we've seen, um, you know, I've, we've walked through Jesus sending out the 12 and then he sends out the 70 or 72, depending on, on how you work through that text. Um, you've got, you've got this advance to where you get to the 120 in the upper room and, and then you've got 3000. And so how, how do you take the gospel to new places? And then by the time you get to uh, the book of revelation you have these you have these established churches all of which i think the seven of them it's interesting because all those churches are gone now yeah. um and uh and yet they were all given opportunities to um to refocus to return to the lord to either deal with external pressure or internal compromise and um and and so they were all given a chance to recover their vitality which is, um, which I, I think is what what you're hitting on, particularly with the uh, with the, the the issues of conflict. You know, uh, we don't have the same kind of persecution issues that uh, that maybe they had in in the Book of Revelation, but we certainly have people um, people who are tolerating uh, unbiblical worldviews or people who refuse to uh, to cease to be lukewarm. And, uh, and and really commit to doing the work of the church. And so there's all these uh, limiting factors uh, or, or, or errors of church life that, that get people off track. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned in uh, your first resolved here um, that um, that we affirm, church revitalization and replanting as an important component of fulfilling the Great Commission. Um, do you think Southern Baptists have a balanced view of fulfilling the Great Commission? Uh, balance is a hard word. You know, the IMB works overseas. We think about missions, we think about overseas missions or uh, in, in the Sin Cities through the North American Mission Board. But the existing churches can kind of get left behind in that. And a lot of revitalization uh, is just kind of good church practice and good church health. And so it's it's kind of a weird thing there, but it is keeping churches healthy, I think, is part of the Great Commission. And, uh, you know, we can't, full, we can't keep sending out missionaries overseas if we don't have healthy churches. And so I think an important component means just that it's part of a grand scheme. It's not the only way, but it is a way. 
And everybody seems to think that their way is the most important way. The missionaries or pastors or replanters or planters or any of those things. But really, it takes all of us working together to get it done. I don't know if um, I don't know if this is just a function of age or if this is really something that's happening. But I think that starting with I noticed starting with the purpose driven church in late 80s, early 90s, there was kind of this rash of paradigms that came out like all of these. It was like here's a methodology, you know, a connecting church, emotionally healthy church. Like um, there were, there were just all of these different like packages and conferences and you could go and learn a way of changing or, or of, of creating maximum impact in your church. I feel like that's fading. I don't know. Would you, would you agree with that? That that's giving way to, um, to, more of a focus on holistic pastoring or do you still see the kind of pragmatic easy no, way out I've, I've never heard it put that way but i think you're right i think it is fading uh for different reasons because we see the flaws in those models you know the famous willow creek study where they found out their people weren't actually growing any right uh, we see flaws in those other things and i think um if you're looking for a model of revitalization, there just there isn't one because it's too diverse. Because a church could be could be declining because of the neighborhood has changed, because the neighborhood is dying and it's it's drying up in a small town, or because of conflict within the church, or because of a pastor problem before, or any, or any number of things, and so finding the right way to do it. And I think prayer is important in that. You know, I mentioned prayer twice in there because you I do. think it's important, of course. And I, you know, to think, to use an example, like uh, I was reading a book last night by Jim Cimbala. I love Jim Cimbala. Uh, when I came across his books first, you know, I've, I've been to Brooklyn Tabernacle to prayer meeting. I cried like a baby. And, uh, and it's really powerful. And all of his books, his books are about prayer and the power of prayer and all those things are really important, but I've never read anything from Jim Simbla about leadership or uh, managing a staff or any of these things. You, you know what I mean? And so I think that's important, of course. And I think he's obviously very good at it. That's a big church and he grew it from nothing to a big mm -hmm. place. But for him, he's like, I pray a lot. I'm, I'm very badly summarizing it, but his books, but he's like, yeah. I pray a lot and God does stuff. And that's true. God does do that. But I also think prayer has to be a component. You know, we can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. And uh, I've certainly been guilty of that in pastoring. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think there was a, there was a, a massive, um, there, there's like, there was this cultural moment of, of pragmatism, which I think is going to have a legacy. Um, there's going to be, there's, there's going to be history to it, but, um, but there, but there does seem to be this, um, at, at least within the convention there, there is an awareness of the need for revitalization and replanting. I think that's growing, um, particularly out of the, 
the the replant group and the, the guys at the North American Mission Board and um, SB Cal. Um, do you, are you familiar with them? That the um, yeah uh, Ray Gentry's organization is um, has has done great work and uh, and they're just you know there's a recovery of of focusing on on associations and state conventions and and that work which I think is I think is really healthy. Um, so yeah, you mentioned prayer yourself and, and I just, I wanted to, um, I wanted to say how much I appreciate the fact that, uh, that while, while the work that we want to do is biblical, right. Built on a foundation of, of what does the scriptures say? And, uh, and I believe that whatever God does, he does through his word. We see that in Genesis one, you know, we see that in, uh, the field of dry bones, um, uh, we see that in in Jesus, his his final word, according to Hebrews, like whatever God does, He does through His word. At the same time, we need to be smart and strategic, but um, but ultimately, it depends on whether or not the Lord moves and He blesses. And so, I appreciate the the focus of 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 prayer in here. Um, so, last question, because we're we're right at about twenty nine minutes, and so we're going to wrap up. Uh, what do you think resolution one is going to be next year? I don't know what it's going to be, but I got some wrong answers. I think uh, we could do it over. J. Allen Murray might make one against the use of pellet smokers. Uh, I will. I will argue against that because I'm lazy and I don't want to stand stand over fire all day. Nice. Uh, I think we could have one about. We've never had a. We've never had one about podcasts. Maybe we could mention the value of Southern Baptist podcast. Yes. Example. <laughs> I um I I have two resolutions that are out on Twitter. Um one is my extremely joke resolution uh on why dogs are 1000 times better than cats is the one that I keep saying I'm going to submit. But I also wrote a Twitter thread on uh resolving that we would all mind our own business, which um which I think would man, if we could get something like that through, that would be legendary. Um, so you're just trying to kill Twitter, basically. Yeah, mind your own business, people. So, well, hey, Luke, it's been a joy talking to you yeah, about uh, Resolution One, and um, and we're going to come back and we're going to try to bring some of the authors and um, and people who've been involved in writing some of the other resolutions in future episodes. Well, this has been Conventional Wisdom, a podcast about the polity procedure and people of the Southern Baptist Convention. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends, uh, share it with people that you go to church with, share it with somebody who's especially ignorant about things that happen at the SBC, and uh, feel free to rate us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.